All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So (laughs) on today's podcast, I want to talk about this idea, um, if, if, if I can give this to you. And the funny thing is, you don't have to um, you don't have to go very far to get rejected. You know what I mean? Um, you can be rejected uh, in the dating world. You can be rejected in sports. You can be rejected at a job interview. You can be rejected from all these things. And I think one of the worst places um, that people do re- <clears throat> receive that rejection um, is in the home, in their family. Um, there's just nothing like uh, the type of rejection from the place where you feel like you need it the most. And, and, and that makes it hard um, because your structure, the very roots of your tree uh, uh, seemed a little bit damaged or hacked or I don't know, it's like in the in the process of your tree and your growth, there's lead pipes or broken glass or, uh, you know, there's something happening with that tree where it might grow leaning a certain direction or leaning away from the sun or, you know, not quite absorbing the water the way it should. But enough about trees. That's just me and trees. But here's the idea. Someone says or you start to feel that you don't belong here. So <clears throat> you you can assume easily as a black male, me saying something like that, like you don't belong here, um, you know, could trigger uh, uh, the, the note and the tone of civil rights. Um, and we have many people that have given fine examples of what happens here in this country. But saying you don't belong here is an idea that is, it's universal, really. And how we get into this is through a a few short stories that I'll give you. And um, one actually actually involved a good friend of mine um, at work. And what had happened to her was she was just one of those people, a workaholic, that you know, was just constantly, constantly working. Not that anybody was asking her to, not that anybody was telling her, you know, you need to put in X amount of hours for your salary. But I think you guys know how it is when you're on a salary, you're pretty much, you know, you're pretty much taught to go all out no matter what, because since you're going to make this money, no matter what, we need you to, you know, be able to prove your worth. So, this friend of mine, let's give her a name. Let's call her uh, Laura. <laughs> so this friend of mine, Laura, um, is just working herself to the bone. And this is a former, you know, swimmer, softball player, track athlete. Well, wait. Swimmer, softball player, track. Yeah, swimmer, softball player, track athlete. You know, like a real Wonder Woman type, like a real, you know, Wonder Woman Maeve. If you're watching the show, the boys, you know, she was like that, that alpha type woman, but had a very kind heart. And uh, 
just working, working, working. Finally, her husband just says, hey, you aren't happy. You aren't sleeping. And if this job is going to dictate how you treat me as your husband and your family, then we got to find a way to, to make this thing work. Like, we'll pay off the house. We'll pay down our loans. We'll get, you know, we'll get it done. But like, if, if this job, if you go off to work every day and it's going to ultimately affect your quality of living just so you can uh, get a paycheck, when you're replaceable, like that, that's the hard part. Then no, like we're not doing this. So long story short, she takes that frustration and, and, and what she's doing in that position and finds a new one. So Laura finds her way into a new position and in the beginning starts to seem great, starts to seem awesome um, because she's actually taking a step down. She was in a higher level position and just decided to come into this new position, newly created by the company. And, you know, it's like, hey, I, I obviously with my expertise, with my dedication, with all the things that I'm doing, um, I'm going to be great in this position. Like you can definitely use uh, my experience. Well, from day one, her boss failed to realize uh, the strengths that she had, failed to realize the level of, of organization that she had been working on daily, failed to realize the abilities that she had and where she was most helpful uh, to her team. And she went through constant ridicule, constant belittling. Um, she would give herself side projects to help and organize things that people were struggling with, just kind of using her old you know, habits of, of getting things done. And she would get them done so well that she would be bored. She wouldn't even have anything to do. And while those people on her team were struggling to make ends meet, and get projects done, she had already completed them, and all they had to do was ask for them. <laughs> well, this news got back to her boss, you know, asking, hey, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with this? Because everybody else is just a mess, and I haven't heard from you. Well, Laura tells her boss, well, I actually finished everybody's work and finished everybody's reports, and if they want them, I have them. If everybody wants to look at them, you know, it's this is stuff I used to do at, you know, five, six, seven, eight at night. And, you know, if, if you want to look it over, you can. Well, normally what I would do with a workaholic is reward them, take them out to eat and try to find ways to get them to, you know, back off a little bit and maybe teach the team how to work a little bit more efficiently. But what does Laura's boss do? slam her hard in the forehead with a hammer. You don't do that. I didn't ask you to do that. No one told you to do that. That's not your responsibility. You don't do that unless you talk to me. It just became everything you wouldn't expect from upper level management. Not a thank you, not a handshake, but condemnation. Like she was treated as if, you know, she was the HR violation as if she was, you know, the one out here, you know, throwing bricks at cars. Let's fast forward. Months later, 
as that type of volatility increases, um, as that type of environment and that leadership continues, um, this this very same person just decides, you know what? A position opened up. I think I'm going to take it. I'm going to reach out. And long story short, Laura got the position. And not only is Laura in a position higher than what she was before, she stepped down to the position where I told you she was getting beat up verbally. Not only is she in a higher position than she was before, she's now involved in the same number or more projects, vital projects that will create jobs that will increase uh, the revenue of the company and create more business partnerships and long lasting partnerships, at least for the next five to 10 years. Someone says, so, so when someone says you don't belong here, sometimes that's not an insult. That's a prophecy. Because what they're telling you is in, in, in that phrase, or if you feel that way, you might need to reassess what you're doing. Because the thing I'm starting to notice from the wealthy, from people that are successful, they don't quit <laughs> successful things. They throw time eaters. They throw worthless things in the trash. So if it's not valuable to them, they're just going to throw it in the trash. That's not quitting. That's called time management. And what Laura, what my friend Laura did was she was able to dump that job and that boss in the trash for better time management. What's she doing now? Working from home like all of us, completing her jobs, kicking her feet up at lunch, having a nice lemonade, letting the dog out to bark and, and run free. And this was before coronavirus. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's better to get set up for the future than stay where you are and just continue to grind things out and 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 not be treated right. So I do have another one for you. This is a story that I actually borrowed and I saw this online. I can't remember the exact man, but I'm going to quote him. I'm going to hashtag him. Um, I think his name was Jack Shetty. That was a guy I saw. And it, it the, the scenario that they dealt with was this girl trying to finish up her work, trying to do her work. And her boss comes by and, and, and she's like, hey, you know, I need to talk to you for a second. And after, after the girl, you know, looks and acknowledges what she's doing, she's like, oh, let me just finish up this job real quick. She's like, oh, no, it's not about the job. I just need to talk to you for a second. Brings into the room. We're letting you go. We're downsizing. You're one of the newest hires, so we got to let you go. And it's like, I've been through this before, so I know. I'm like watching. And I'm like, how's she going to fix this? Well, this girl goes through the months of sweatpants, the months of applying for jobs, the months of calling back internships. The months of trying to use all the connections she knew and, you know, ignoring her mom's phone call about unemployment. She's like just doing her best to try to fight it. Well, she picks up a camera, takes a picture for her best friend because she she thought her best friend's photo was kind of 
outdated and a little immature on LinkedIn. Um, the girl's LinkedIn profile was her her uh, college graduation photo, you know, the the cap and gown. So she was like, I, I got a camera. I can take a way better picture than that. Like, and they start to look really good. Like she makes her friend look really good, which you should do for your friends. You should improve them. That turns into an entrepreneurship. And if you, I'm just going to say it like this. There's a difference between being an employee and entrepreneurship. They're not the same. If you're an employee and you love your job and you love what you do and you love where you're at, God bless you. And thank you. And I want to give you a hug and a, a pat on the back. And here's a cookie. But if you don't, it might be because you're an entrepreneur. You just haven't fed enough of the journey. You haven't fed it enough. But this girl, through being fired, was kicked into entrepreneurship and and creates a career out of it and does well with it. Now, no, I'm not telling you to go out and be a photographer and an entrepreneur just because you get fired from a job or just because you get downsized. But in this example, this is what she really loved. This is what she really wanted to do. So by her getting fired and someone telling her, essentially, you don't belong here. It helped her go where she needed to be. So. The funny thing is, this theme shows up a lot of times. You you look at the movie The Lion King. You know, with young Simba, you know, his father is basically killed by his uncle. And not only does he have to run and flee through all these horrid, harsh conditions to, to live and, 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 and survive, but he's assumed dead. And he hides so well and hides so long that he almost grows up to be a male, grown, full male, grown lion. So <laughs> at that point, he's with his guys and they're just living a life, you know, Akuna Matata. And it just kind of starts to stick out. It's like you're this grown male lion in this tiny paradise, but you don't belong here. Like you, you belong with your family. You belong with everybody that loves you. So here we, we we take a tragic issue, forced this kid out, but in reality, what it allowed him to do is grow. And what is growth but going through a series of events that you did not know to reach a goal? That's growth. And And, and if it wasn't scary a little bit, if it wasn't disfiguring a little bit, it wouldn't be growth. All of us go through this. Think about your body. Think about the process of of gaining teeth by losing them. (laughs) As a child, you know, you walk around with these little toothless. I mean, it's so cute to us, but like, really, it's just this little human walking around with no teeth. (laughs) And we tell them, you know, tooth fairy and all this stuff. But even your body, you have growing pains. You know, some kids continue to roll their ankles or good slaughter with the knees or you've got hips or your feet just won't set right because they grow too fast or 
you know, you can't find the right shoes and, you know, then you're playing sports as well. So you've got all these things going on in your body. You know, you've got human growth and development, puberty, you know, and all these changes are happening in the male and the female body. That's growth. So the number one thing that happens during that time is you got to buy new shoes or clothes. Your feet don't belong here anymore in this size eight, in this size nine or 10 or 11 or 11 and a half. You got a big foot. When it, when you can palm a basketball, <laughs> that's like me. I'm like an action hero star. I'm like, yeah, I'm like a running back size. So <laughs> it just doesn't fit anymore. You measure your kids on the side of the uh, refrigerator or the wall, wherever you measure their height. You know, you, you don't go down. You don't plateau them and put like an iron stake at a certain level and say, you know, oh, five foot or six foot. <laughs> that's it. Stake that right there because that's going to be it. No, like I, I have cousins, friends, family that are over six foot that can easily just rest their elbow on my shoulder. You know, it's six, seven foot. You know, it's like, how do you tell this person you're not going to get them a, a longer bed or a bigger bed or, or whatever? You know, you're just going to let their feet hang and kick the door closed you know, <laughs> by the end of the night um, or, you know, when they're asleep. But the last part, this is kind of, it talk speaks to me. It kind of, it kind of uh, spoke to me. Um, I actually had this happen during um, my junior high and high school years Um I was just racing some friends outside and we were racing uphill and the, the, the wrong thing to do, (laughs) I'm saying this as a good thing, but the wrong thing to do, you don't ever want to show a coach your abilities when you think they're not watching. (laughs) So, my dad, um, at the time, he was uh, he was coaching at Boys Town, um, so he's coaching football and track at Boys Town, and, and you know, that's just how it goes with those kids. You're trying to to give them the best structure and mindset while also doing the same thing in sports. So you're gonna do it for them, and then you see your son racing kids outside uphill and beating them on an incline. So like I said, one of the worst things you could ever do <laughs> if you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to do sports, football, basketball, track, swimming, golf, tennis, is show a coach your ability and then act like you don't want to do anything. Immediately the next year, my dad was like, you know what? You need to run track. He's like, you don't have to play football. He's like, I played. I play football. You don't have to play football if you don't want to. But he was like, you got to run track. You got to use some of that speed. So (laughs) I didn't know, you know, what my dad is essentially saying is 
you don't belong here in the street racing kids. Like, you know, these kids are, you know, some of them are thugs and, you know, shooting and going to jail and all this. He was like, it's fine if you want to play with them and be friends with them. But he was like, you will not do what they do, you know, when they go home. So I lied. <laughs> My dad asked me if I had sweats and stuff I can run in. I was like, nah, just, you know, I was trying to hide. I wasn't feeling it. So my dad gave me some sweats. You know, it's like wearing your dad clothes, <laughs> you know, up to school to to run track. My dad was like, you got any shoes or anything? I was like, nah, I don't got any shoes. And he was like, well, here, here, here's my shoes. At that time, we wore the same shoe size. I think we still do. And this is like as a freshman in high school. So <laughs> um, I was like, ah, okay, 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 okay. Still, I just wasn't really bought in that I needed to go out and run and I just want to sit at home and be lazy because, you know, I'm in my feelings. You know, I'm going through puberty. I'm emotional. I don't know how to speak out on on what's going on. And um, the last day, the coach finally says, anybody that wants to run track has to have this physical complete. And a blue card brought to the office by, I don't know, it's like March 1st or whatever, or February 28th. So, yeah, February 31st. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, finally, my dad's like, what, what else do you need? Like, what do you need to run track? Because what he's thinking is you don't belong here in this house doing nothing, playing Mortal Kombat, eating peanut butter brittle and Reese's from 4 to 8 p.m. You don't belong here. You belong in greatness. You belong doing something better. So I did it. You know, (laughs) I went out, I ran, I set all kinds of freshman records. I had a great time. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. I got to run summer track for my godparents. They were you know, both the hurdler, my my godfather and my godmother jumped in the Olympics long jump. So I couldn't have asked for a better group to mold me and help me. And um, it was it was so much fun. I got to run not just in high school, but I got to run summer club track every summer. I got to go to Texas and run against kids that were like twice my size, twice as fast, twice as strong. Um, and, and really see like the nation, like what the nation had to offer as far as track and field. And that really opened up my eyes. Um, and every year I got a little bit better, you know, sophomore year, I, um, I got disqualified at state in the 300 hurdles. I, I almost made it in the 110 hurdles, um, um, got to run a four by four. And then later that summer, started really cooking. Dropped my 200 time, ran the 110 hurdles, and got sixth in the nation. Awesome, right? Well, the following year, junior year, <laughs> this is some, you really don't belong here. The following year, junior year, I um, <laughs> I make it to state. I win state for class A, but did not win all class. 
So um, there was like another kid who actually ended up going to um, Iowa. He was a Hawkeye. Um, um, and we, we met at a, a U of M at a Big Ten track meet um, later, um, after, after years after. But yeah, he had the top time. I won for class A and I come away with just the biggest win, you know, because I didn't know I could do it. I just wanted to fight for it. Well, here's where you don't belong. You don't belong working at the shoe store all day selling shoes, which I did a great job of. And then going out and partying. And I was partying all night. I was at hood parties, frat parties, sub parties in the suburbs. I was at all these parties just hanging, you know, just looking at girls, just drooling over girls. You know, I mean, men, let's be honest. You know how it is when you first start to discover that you've got these body parts and you first start to discover, you know, these women have these body parts, you know, your mind and your body just goes nuts. You have all the youth, all the ability and no discipline. <laughs> so it's like, hey, parents, please teach your kids discipline. Please teach them the road. By the road, I mean what sex is going to mean to them at each phase in their life. The road by meaning what raising kids looks like at each phase in life, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, what sex means to you, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and how the world will respond to you with sex, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Please explain this to them and explain what a relationship really is and explain what sex can be, the, the triple effect of, se of sex. You know, it is not just for pleasure. And, and it's not just a pleasure thing. It is also how we repopulate the earth and bring children onto this planet. The third and one of the most valuable pieces, it is a spiritual chakras alignment and energy sharing technique. Call it alien if you want, but sex is so much more than just the pleasure. It is the pleasure it is the, sus the sustaining of life and humanity. And it is third, a very heavenly bonding thing. That's why porn, that's why married couples that do have sex regularly. And that's why people that are young act the way they do when they have sex. It's where all that energy comes from. Dopamine, f hormones, pheromones, all the, the non uh, uh, non uh, detectable scent that we pick up and get energy from plants grow at the smell of water. Leave you with that. So I'm partying junior year that I'm partying, not being where I'm supposed to be. And then my reminder, my dad is paging me. I had a pager. I thought I was boss kingfish. I had a pager. My dad's paging me. Beep, 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 beep. You know, basically come home because you don't belong here. You're out here partying. I mean, dudes are down the corner from me with guns and Hennessy. <laughs> my dad's like, I don't want my son dead. Like, come home. And I'm thinking I'm fine because of the people I'm with. They're fine. They're having fun. They go to school out further out in the suburbs than I do. So I'm like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. You know, you know, we're young Black, talented, educated, you know, kids. 
And we're all all at this one house just partying, you know, what could go wrong? So I kept doing that. And that summer, the one of the kids that actually, I mean, he hated my guts, hated us in football, hated us in track. Woo! Boy, did he burn me up. Just snatched, clean, blew past me in a hurdle race. It, it was so bad that I didn't even know why I lost. All I knew was this guy just flew by me like I wasn't even there. And all of my efforts, all the things I had been doing to try to do everything and keep up with the world, it had now caught up to me. So not only do I not qualify in the 110 hurdles, not qualify in the 200 um, but the only race that I had made it in was the four by four, which I hated. I'm like, who wants to run the four by four? Like four by one, sure, awesome. But yeah, we made it in the four by four. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> you know, I didn't have the training. I didn't have the background I got later in college. But I dedicated that whole summer to not ever feeling like that again. I wanted to make sure that I didn't spend not five minutes in a place where I didn't belong. And and I can use that experience, especially with, you know, youth and, and high schoolers to just explain, like, nobody's going to wake you up and take you every day out to the court, to the turf, to the track, to the library, to the coffee shop to study and become one with your success and where you really belong. Because the tools that you use to succeed, the, the internet, the books, the athletics, the mentorships, the real life experiences, the tools that you use to become one and succeed in your path won't always be shared by everyone. Count it a blessing when people are like you. And they do want to promote your success and they do want to promote some of the things you're doing. But not everybody's going to want to do what you're doing. You might, I hate to say this, but you might even at a young age figure out I'm not a morning person. But if I get up at 5 and 6 a.m. and go hit, you know, hit this hill, do these workouts, I think better. I operate better. I work better. I do everything better. I go to school. I do all this stuff. I feel good. You might be the only person in your family doing that. Just don't wake everybody up. Or maybe they want to get up with you. But you don't belong here is not harsh. You're not talking down to somebody. Because when you really receive that and someone says you don't belong here or you start to feel that. It might be some of the best advice you've ever gotten. And, and of course, we hear this in America. We hear it sometimes um, as black men and black women go back to Africa. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> when someone isn't mature enough to understand your perspective and what you're going through. To then draw a conclusion that you're speaking out because 
of what's been done to you, not necessarily what you're doing to anybody. When people can't understand you and understand what you're going through and why you're saying what you're saying. Them telling you you don't belong here. It might be one of the realest statements you've ever heard. And as a matter of fact, um, it's hard to find out where you actually belong. <laughs> when, when you think about it, that was like, well, where do I belong? Well, here's the thing. Take your time. Get yourself a passport. Go visit a few countries. Go learn. Go do some things. Go go travel. Enjoy the world. One of the, uh, I think one of the worst things I could have ever done in my life was think that um, I didn't need a passport. That's kind of like selfish or not selfish, but arrogant to think that the only place I ever need to go is America. Any of my friends or family that have traveled the world, they're like, Wayne, you you got to see this. You got to see that or wait till we talk about this. Wait till we talk about that. So. You need to travel the world. You need to see the world. If you've been living in your same city, same zip code all your life, my friend, you are so disadvantaged. If you've never left your city, if you've never left your state, if you've never left the geographical location that you live in, if you've never seen snow, if you've never seen the desert, never seen the mountains, never seen a redwood forest or, you know, swamps, if you've never seen the country, never seen the planets, never seen what's around you, you just have no idea. And these soldiers let me know everything. So, yeah, when someone says you don't belong here, take that as a personal note. Take that as a mental note. They might be giving you a pass to go and learn, to go and grow and do something valuable with your life. All right, you all. That's enough. I've said enough. I've done enough. I love you all. I hope you love me back. Please like, love, and share these messages. I, I love doing these for you all. Um, gives me great strength, great ability um, to be able to, to contribute to you all and, and give you something that you like and that you love. And, and thank you for coming back. <laughs> but yeah, peace and love. I'll see you soon.